Are you passionate about barbecue? Do you love the sights, the smells, the sounds, the heat? Well, if you said yes, you came to the right place. Join me on my competitive barbecue journey as I share tips, tricks, timelines, and techniques to help you reach your barbecue dreams. My name is Kurt Mueller. I'm the pitmaster of Atomic City Smokers, and it's no secret I am an absolute barbecue fanatic. I enjoy helping others and have had so many wonderful people help me on my barbecue journey. I decided I would create this podcast to help others compete on the pro circuit or become the king of their backyard barbecue. This is Barbecue for Newbies. All right, welcome into today's show. I am joined today by Mr. Brad Leininger out of Branson, Missouri, my home state of Missouri, and he is with Getting Basted uh, Barbecue Team. He's also got a couple of restaurants in Missouri as well. So, Brad, thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. So, give you some context uh, for our listeners. Uh, I actually had the chance to connect with Brad at an event we did. It was a test event, actually, in Nashville, Tennessee, back in July at Famous Dave's and. I was fortunate enough to be able to cook next to Brad and Tim Shear and the guys from Blue Sog, and we had a fun time. Uh, I think Brad took home some hardware from that event, um, yeah. so it was it was good stuff. But um, I always like to start with journey, Brad. I love to to learn more about this journey that we we go into and we and how we got to where we are today. So I'm curious, educate us on your journey into barbecue, into the restaurant industry, and and everything else. Uh, well, uh, yeah, so about a roundabout ways you can get there. But I mean, I've always cooked. I've always been a cook. Always loved to, you know, my grandparents, uh, my grandmas specifically were both excellent cooks. And uh, I think it skips a generation because my mom's not much of one, but I, you know, I always enjoyed cooking with them. And, uh, you know, my grandfather was a hog farmer. So we always had a lot of meat, a lot of, a lot of protein heavy, uh, worked in restaurants through college. Like a lot of people actually may, met my wife at a restaurant and, uh, you know, got out of school, still, you know, kind of bartended, did some, some gig work there on the weekends, but, you know, ended, ended up getting into IT and I, I, I still cook, you know, got married, still always did all the cooking in the family, still did everything and, and, you know, barbecued because uh, we're in Southern Missouri. So barbecue is always a big part of that. And, uh, Pitmasters came on, uh, you know, in the early two, you know, 2010, 2011, something like that. So started watching that with my brother-in-law and always kicked around, uh, uh, doing some some competitions, went to the American Royal, I believe it was maybe in 2010, something like that way back in the day. And uh, as a spectator, you know, I'd never done a competition, just went there and walked around and, 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 you know, kind of met Johnny Trigg there and, and talked to a few other people. And uh, we'd kicked around doing a contest. A friend of mine knew I'd done that. He'd done a few KCBS events and he was signed up for our hometown event in Springfield, Missouri which is called Rock and Ribs. And uh, he had to back out the last minute. So it was like two weeks ahead before the event and he couldn't go and they wouldn't refund his money. So he called me and said, Hey man, you're always talking about doing this. You want why don't you go to, you know, put your money where your mouth is. And I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, we borrowed a smoker, never cooked a whole brisket before in my life. You know, we cooked a lot of ribs, cooked chicken, but not KCBS chicken, didn't have a clue what that was. So uh, went in there and, and literally knowing nothing, uh, we'd accidentally run into a bottle of blues hog at Lake of the Ozarks, uh, you know, cause it's, it's kind of from the area. So we'd been using blues hog ironically on our bark. You had no idea that was the right thing to use. And, uh, we ended up going in there and, and, uh, finished in the top. I think we finished seventh, got three meat calls, 
got like a 152 in chicken or something. If I wouldn't, have, if I would have got a normal score in chicken, I would have won my first contest. But I had no idea. I, t- I turned in grilled chicken. You know what? What, what do you think barbecue chicken should be? And uh, you know, we won thousand dollars world food was there research had like a potato salad contest it was their first year and we won that so we won a trip to las vegas and a thousand dollars for our potato salad to compete in the world food championships and and the hook was set our second contest we went to was actually at the lake of the ozarks and ended up getting three neat calls there including a second place pork and uh lost mr tim shear that's the first time i met him and uh man ever since then we've been going strong so uh just just kind of had a little success early and and always been competitive played college sports and uh you know now, now we're here out here competing every weekend so i'm curious you mentioned you know southern missouri or ozark barbecue for our listeners that aren't familiar with that describe that what 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 makes it ozark what makes it southern missouri barbecue well, I mean, I think a lot of what's defined, we've helped kind of define that Southern Missouri. You know, we've got a lot of influence from Kansas City. We've got a lot of influence from Arkansas. And so, you know, you kind of get a little bit of that, that whole hog mentality, a little bit about of cooking, uh, you know, sweet sauces. So, it's, I mean, it's influenced heavily by Kansas City and then more by the South. But Ozarks, man, we've helped define it, you know, hot and fast barbecue, cooking over open flames doing stuff a little bit differently, you know, open pit barbecue is what I think of down here, you know, poor people barbecue. So, uh, you, you know, those arts, you know, we, we, we're not really necessarily picky about what kind of meat we grill, you know, we, we find on the side of the road, we'll probably throw it in our grill, but man, everybody cooks outdoors out here. I mean, it's just part of our heritage. I love that. I love that. So you mentioned hot and fast, and that is something that is taken. It seems like it's taken the competition barbecue world by storm. I don't know exactly when, that shift happened, but, you know, obviously the drum style of cooking, the cooking over the open flames has really caught on. What about that for you? What, what about the hot and fast method for you is enjoyable? What do you like about that particular method? I, I love that you, that you feel like you're really cooking, you know, I mean, you've got to be tuned into the food and you've got to be tuned into your cooker to cook that way and do it successfully. It's not a cookie cutter cook. It's not a, a formula cook. It's using your senses and using your sight, you know, your your ears, your your nose, you know, using all your senses and going in there and actively cooking. You know, I've got a pretty uh, severe case of, uh, uh, you know, ADD. And uh, so sitting there staring at a, at, a, at a fire that I can't open isn't my style. So cooking over open flames, cooking hot and fast, man, it encourages you to get in there and play with your food. As a matter of fact, the more you play with it, the better it is. You know, we call it burn and turn, and you're in there moving it around, flipping it around, and, and keeping it moving. And, and just that style of cooking more suits my personality than somebody that's doing something says, how do I cook ribs? Well, it's three, two, one. Well, I'm trying to do that on a drum, man. You know, you never know how long it's going to take. It's going to swing wildly. So so I, I just like the the interactivity of it. Yep, that's a, that is one thing I've heard con- consistently over and over and over again from those that love that hot and fast style is that, yeah, they said the same thing you said. They're kind of ADD like me, like you, and they want to have a little bit more action, and they also want to get some sleep so they don't have to, you know, they, <laughs> yeah, they don't have to fire it up until the morning. In the early days, we just drank more. You know, I've had to tone that down quite a bit, you know, but uh yeah, I mean, I I think it's bled over to all types of cooking now. You know, I think I think the timing of barbecue contests, I think a lot of people, I think there's way more people now. You know, when you used to go to them, every, people be cooking all night. You'd be able to walk around and, and you'd find people up at about at 1230 or 1 o'clock in a barbecue contest. And and now I think there's vast majority of people are starting after 430, you know, up right. to like us, we're starting at 630 or 7 on the extreme end. But I think, 
you know, we've had an influence on other types of cookers because people have seen what we're able to do or don't have to stay up all night. So people have moved, bumped the temperature up on other types styles of cookers. And it uh, seems like I, I yeah, I'm sure they're out there, but I don't know anybody that's not cooking hot and fast now. That's a, that's a great point. And for our listeners too, to give you some idea, I mean, I, I you know, I don't know exactly, you know, who, who can be credited with uh, bringing the hot and fast method to the competition world, but I would say that getting basted and, and Brad and his team of folks would deserve some credit for that. Right. I mean, that, that's, well, I mean, I think we popularized, you know, we've had the most success with it. I think you can say, you know, there were people, very few people doing it early, you know, Jeff Spurgeon from KC can crew is a guy that comes to mind, man. That was kind of like the, one of the OGs that was out there cooking on these barrels. There were people that were cooking on them before going low and slow. Jeff's the first one to kind of rip the knob off that I know of. And you know, that, that that's kind of how Tim got introduced to it. There's a definite lineage of that. And I think what Tim and I managed to do, you know, Tim made him pretty by making the gateway drum smoker and taking the ugly out of the ugly drum smoker. He kind of made him, you know, he made, made him flashy and made him glamorous. And, and then we both turned around and, and I won on him. And I think the combination of the two, you know, now there's a little bit of an edge and there's a little bit of, you know, they're, they're kind of a cool looking cooker. And then on top of it, man, people are winning world championships. And I think, I think with that, that interactivity, man, let it. So now you go to a contest and, you know what, you know, 60, 70% of people are cooking on drums now. I was the only one doing it back in the day. Tim and I were, you know, and like I said, Jeff would be over there cooking a contest. There'd be, you know, you go to a contest and and, and we go down like into your area, we go down in the Southeast, man, people, they, they blow their minds. They never, you know, they'd sit there, is that all you got? You know, yeah, man, that's that's all I've got, you know, a truck with some drums and and it was really different, but now you go and, and, and everybody's doing it. And, and, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to be modest about it. We definitely, I think, the drum cookers and people that have businesses, drum businesses or making drum cookers, it can come back and, and, and take that market, that market that's been created by Tim and myself. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you, at the end of the day, you know, your success speaks for, your, for itself. And, you know, for our listeners to give you an idea, I mean, you know, Brad and his team have been, is it three time, three time KCBS team of the year, two years in a row. So 2020, 2021, I know you're knocking on the door this year. I believe you guys are in top 10 right now, if I saw that correctly. Yeah, I'm not chasing after this year, so I won't get yeah. it this year. But, uh, uh, you know, I should finish in the top 10. I'm cooking enough. I I think I'm 10, 10 to 15 contests behind a lot of those guys in the, in, that are up leading. I'm not taking a, taking a step back this year. But, yeah, you never know what next year will bring. So That's exactly right. And, you know, one other thing that Brad and I do share in common is that we were both on the Barbecue USA show uh, Brad was featured a heck of a lot more than we were for good reason. You know, we just started our team back in uh, September, but I think you were on that show two ep or three episodes, if I remember correctly, right? Well, I was I was on there too. They filmed me on two. I, I got reserved grand at one of the other ones that was there, and uh, yeah, they, they didn't they didn't put a camera anywhere near me. So it, it you know it, it's a good show, and it was a lot of fun. And, and you know, on their end, they're doing a lot of guesswork on who they think is going to do good. And, who's entertaining and this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, I think they missed on that one in Gadsden, Alabama, but it sure was fun to sit there. And, uh, when, you, when you're not being, you know, you get two ways to be filmed. Okay, great. I'm getting filmed. I'm, I'm going to go out there and try to win, or I'm not going to be filmed and, and go in there with a little bit of your chip on your shoulder. So, uh, you know, we had fun. And then the Memphis episode, we had a blast, man. I mean, they didn't initially, they weren't going to put us on there. Uh, but, uh, we kind of made them. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad they did. Cause you guys ended up taking home the, the world title there at Memphis in May. And, and for our listeners that didn't catch that, Blues Hog uh, did win the, the Memphis in May competition. Uh, and Brad was part of that team. I think you guys had, a, you had an incredible team out there. I mean, I saw a picture and it was probably 20, maybe 30 people uh, as part of that. 
got about 10 people that are on the core part of that, of our team. And, and they're all, man, it's, it takes, it takes an army to, to make that happen. Uh, for sure. It's a lot of work. If anybody's ever done Memphis. Never done Memphis. That's on the bucket list for sure. Uh, talk to me though, about, you know, just, you know, we've talked about whole hog. We've talked about all these different cuts of meat for you. If you're just cooking at the house on a Sunday afternoon, what's your favorite thing to cook? Man, we cook a lot of steaks. We're going to grill out, you know, I mean, honestly, I, we don't need barbecue a whole lot anymore. Of course, it's changed over the last 10 years. You know, back in the back, back 10 years ago, we go to the lake and we throw ribs on or we throw, you know, we, we do a hog or we do a brisket or, or whatever. Not, you know, never, never, never did a whole brisket, but we do a brisket flat or part of one or we do uh, whatever, man. I mean, just whatever we could smoke, man. We ran the smoker all the time back in the old days. But honestly, I don't know that I've smoked something for food for the house and probably seven or eight years it's been a long time so now when we grill out we're grilling out predominantly steaks or burgers or or whatever we'll fire it up fire up the pizza oven something like that non-competition meat right 100 <laughs> non-competition meat anything that you're not cooking at, at a competition so you know a lot of a lot of folks um will will get into this sport and i think it is a sport you know we'll get into the sport and you know one of the things that i've recognize pretty early on is that a lot of people will say, well, it's very difficult to, you know, make money at competition barbecue. It's pretty sure. much a loss leader. And for the most part, they're, they're right. But there are a select few, select few yourself uh, included in that mix that have figured out a way to, you know, capitalize and to monetize your skills as a pit master. You know, you've got, obviously you've got the restaurant. So I'm curious, when did that come into the picture? When, when did that mindset shift from, okay, we've got something special here. We're winning contests to let's take this to the masses. Yeah, man. I mean, as far as the contest goes, I mean, if you're ever looking as, at it as a way to make money, you're, you're probably looking at it wrong, man. It's a passion. I mean, and even at this point for me now, barbecue contests don't necessarily make sense. I don't need them, you know, from a financial perspective. I need them from a personal aspect and, and is what I love to do. But, you know, as far as my businesses are concerned, they'd probably be better off if I quit competing. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, you, you're in the wrong thing. This isn't something you get in to make money. That being said, you know, anything that you're passionate about and, and that you pour, you know, as much into barbecue, you know, that I have, you can end up finding ways. Like I said, the restaurants, you can get rubs, you can get sauces, you can, you know, you can work and get some stuff, even competitions, you know, I'm profitable on competitions. I hate to see what the hourly pay is as far as it goes, but, you know, with sponsorships and classes and, and everything else, you know, we do pretty well in the competition end too, but I don't know. Like if, if I was going to step into that without having the product already, man, I mean, it's, it's certainly a long shot for somebody sitting there saying, Hey man, I'm going to go and I'm going to turn barbecue into a living. Well, first of all, it's professional barbecue. I mean, what are, what are the percentages? I mean, it's not like the NBA or anything, but what are the percentage of people that are going to be successful to get into it? You know, I, I don't know what that is, but first of all, that's got to go right for you. And then you've got to turn around from there and, and turn it into a restaurant. Your, your money's much better served if you love barbecue to go ahead and just open the restaurant than it is to try to go the competition route. And then maybe back in the competitions back into it. If you're wanting to actually make money in barbecue, my suggestion would be just to, to, to start with the job and then end with the hobby versus the other way around. But, you know, I, I, I guess it worked out for me. So it's hard to tell people not to do it that way. But I, I certainly got lucky or, you know, I don't know, lucky is the right word. But, man, I've been working for 10 years on this, you know, and, and we've had a lot of success. And I've had a lot of good people help me out. And I don't know that what I've done is the blueprint to monetize competition barbecue, if that makes any sense. 
Oh, that's a, that's a really great point. I'm glad you described it that way. You know, you, you put the you put the passion before the hobby versus the other way around. And for 99.9 percent of the the competitors that I talk to, it is a passion. That's why they're doing it. They love doing it. They love to compete. They probably competed in their youth, uh, whether it be sports and you know middle school, high school, college, whatever. And they're just kind of carrying that passion over to the barbecue world. So. Let's talk about the future, right? Let's talk about just, I'm curious in your mind and your opinion, where this competition barbecue landscape is going. And for me, I'm asking this question because for me, I want to see, so I have two boys, nine and six. They love the kids' competitions. I want to see more of that. I want to see, you know, more high schools uh, get into this. You know, I want to see this as, as crazy as this sounds. I want to see it become a high school sport, right? Sure. Rec recognized. Uh, by the individual states, just like all the other sports are. So I'm curious, just from your standpoint, with with everything that you've been exposed to and all the relationships you have, wh where do you see this this crazy world of competition barbecue going over the next ten years? I, I, you know, I think it needs to go to a place where it's. I, I think there's a place for us. I think there's a place for the professional barbecuer as far as with the big rigs and, and, and going out and spending two or three grand on a contest and everything else. But I think the number of people that are doing that are going to go down. I think that a sanctioning body, you know, whether it's KCBS or Fred down there at CBA or, you know, Georgia or whoever, you know, Florida, somebody needs to find an entry point for competition barbecue. And that's one of the things we're working on with the barbecue league is, is, is a way to get this stuff more grassroots exactly what you're saying, more where high schoolers can do it. High school can't do what we do right now, right? Without a tremendous support, they can't do it, do it successfully. I mean, th these kids can't go out and, and spend two or $3,000. And that's not, that's not including equipment, not including a lot of stuff. That's a, that's a, a, a general cost of what it costs just cash in on a contest with entry fees, meats, diesel fuel. You know, if you've got to get where all these kids sleep, I guess tents or whatever it is, but just you're, to get them into what we're doing, a four-meat KCBS-style category is just not practical. So I do believe that there is a hole and there's a niche there, and I believe somebody's going to fill it. And, and I think it's for more grassroots barbecue competitions because I think the demand's there for a entry-level event. I'm not sure how much the demand is still there for, for four-meat. I mean, I think there's always going to be somewhat of a demand, but I think that's kind of waning a little bit just with, with the rising costs and, and with the intimidation and difficulty of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think it, it it is it is a fairly high entry point, and I also think that sometimes you know I've, I've noticed at least you know where competitions uh, you know typically are are usually piggybacking on with some other sort of festival, sure. whatever it may be, and I've noticed that, that that there's a separation starting to occur between the festival. And the contest always has been, you know, and it doesn't take those festivals very long to figure out what their most expensive portion of their event is and what their, their lowest draw, what's the most headaches and, and what draws the least number of people. And it's an invariably the competition. So these festivals go on, they lose the competition side of it and they go on without us because they don't need us because we're difficult to deal with. We need power. We need that, you know, and, and, and it, it just ends up being like all these people are coming out. We don't really, and it's not really our fault, but as, 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 as competition barbecues, we don't add anything to these festivals, right? We don't, we don't, we don't teach anybody anything. We don't show anybody anything. We don't feed anybody anything. We don't, you know what I mean? And, and, and so at some point they're like, well, why am I having it? I can't tell you how many festivals over the years that I've seen it just do away unless the organizer is somebody that loves competition barbecue or, or, or that, you know, then, then they keep it. But it's like, at some point you're just like, 
man, why, why am I even messing with these guys? Let's have a festival about them. And so I agree with you hundred percent. You know, we, we, we I, you know, as barbecue and I know, you know, Rod Gray just stepped in as a CEO. I think we've got a real problem with our product. I mean, I think our product is very good in a parking lot determining who the best barbecuer is. Right. And as long as that's all we're asking out of our product, then I think we're, we're we're fair enough to go, right? But but we can't justify the prize purses that we want. We can't justify the amenities at these events that we want, and we can't justify you know having more events and getting organizers to put them in if that's all we're providing. If that makes any sense. So KCBS has got a blind system, very good scoring system. I think it's pretty fair. I think the judging is very good. I think everything's there. But as a product to sell out to an organizer and a product to sell out to sponsors and people that want to come and attend, it's really not very good. So I, I honestly think as cooks, you know, if we don't want this thing to die, we need to step back and say, hey, man, let's fix this product and let's make this product so people are able to consume what we're giving, if that makes any sense. And if, if we're willing to do that, I think we've got a good future. If not, then like I said, there'll be something else that comes up and takes the place. Yep, you're exactly right. If if we're just simply, you know, burning meat in a parking lot and, and having fun talking to each other and not really providing any other value, then it's a tough sell to these organizers. And like you said, they start dropping, you know, that side of the festival because it really doesn't add anything to it. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things I'm trying to work on locally here in the Augusta, Georgia area is to get, you know, at least with the the somewhat local competitions is to say, hey, let's you know, let's let's get this more interactive. Let's have, you know, some basic classes, something to appeal to more people other than just, hey, you know, here's a cooker and don't talk to me between 1130 and 130. Like right. <laughs> you got to you got to you got to make it more, to and, uh, you know, everything else. Exactly. So so you mentioned Barbecue League. I wanted to camp out on that and, and, and spend some time there for our listeners. So let's let's talk about that. What what is the Barbecue League first and foremost? I mean, right now the barbecue league is, you know, we, we've we've kind of evolved as we've gone. But right now, man, what we're we're trying to do is is be an educational, you know, one stop shop for your barbecue, you know, kind of kind of needs. Right now, we've we've rolled from we were doing some uh, lots of live events before COVID hit, and when COVID hit, we kind of rolled into a more uh, virtual uh, community. We're getting ready to get back into some of these these actual physical events, but we're trying to do. You know, we were sitting there with Tim and I were sitting at the KCBS banquet, and I believe it was 2017. And I think that's the year Travis Clark won uh, Team of the Year. We're sitting there, and, and we found out nobody told anybody anything. We just found out when we were getting our Team of the Year payouts that KCBS had decided to half the payouts, not tell anybody this, that, and the other. And, and, and Tim and I were at the bar after that, and we're like, man, nobody's going to market us. Like, nobody's going to market us. We've seen cooks go. We saw, you know, in my time, I've seen a lot of great cooks. That has stepped up, you know, True Bud, Warren County Pork Choppers. You know, you've had these teams that have stepped up, you know, Rod himself, who, who's now the, the head of KCBS, that, that have gone up and cooked. And then they quit cooking and now nobody knows who they are, right? There's nothing there. There's nothing there marketing. There's nothing pushing. You know, we I'd approached KCBS about some ideas about marketing and they told me, no, we're just a sanctioning body. If you want to market something, go talk to the organizers. And so Tim and I kind of came up with this deal. It's like, man, we've got to start marketing ourselves. And so the Barbecue League was born out of that. And so th that's what we're trying to do, you know, both with, with physical live events, which the, the, the thing we did out there, you know, working with Famous Dave's, you know, Tim had helped put that together. And that, that's one of the things, having some actual physical events, but then also having an online community where, 
people can go and see competition barbecue and competition cooks can market themselves and hopefully have a market for the products and themselves not having to go out and cook 50, 60 contests, you know, and kill themselves, chase team the year points and everything else. And, uh, you know, we've evolved here and there a little bit here and there. And I think we're going to get into, get into some, some grassroots events here coming up next year. You know, we've got some announcements coming about that, but, but really our whole purpose is to market cooks and to market, well, market competition barbecue. I love that. So just so, just so I'm clear and just so our listeners are clear, it's, it's, it is, you know, you guys exist to help market uh, competition barbecue. Is it, is it then, are you more of like a consulting agency where, you know, you're, no, you're helping them? No, so we're not, you know, we're, we're trying to, we're mostly through content, right? Yeah. So we're trying to get content, expose content, work with sponsors, get, just get the word out. You know, we're, we're, we're more, you know, we're not taking on barbecue teams and helping them market themselves. You know, if you're one of our teams, we bring you, it's like we're charging anything. We just come in there, we're trying to get content. We're trying to push that content out to the public. We're trying to expand the, you know, make, make, make the boat float as it is, you know, expand the umbrella of who's inside a competition barbecue and, and who cares about what we do on Saturday. You know, we're trying to expand that out. That's exactly right. And one thing I noticed very early on, especially when it comes to social media and marketing and branding is that some of the best teams in the country are either not doing their social media marketing very well, or in some cases, not at all. And, you know, like you said, it's great, you know, inside the community of barbecue teams, it's great. Everybody knows who they are, but outside of that, no one really knows who they are. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, a lot of, I've had a lot of people ask us, well, how did you guys, you know, how did you get filmed on, Food Network, and I said honestly, I really don't know why they picked us. To be totally transparent, sure. but I did. I did ask the producer point blank when we were down there. I said, you know, I'm curious, like why us? Like seriously, <laughs> like you know. And and the, and the answer was, look, we researched you guys, and you guys are very, very prevalent and consistent on social media, you know. And one of the things I told myself when I started the team is, I said, we may get our butts whipped you know, in a parking lot every single weekend. I'm not okay with it, but it might happen. But we're not going to get whipped on social media because that is entirely within our control. And, sure. you know, you, there's so many there's so many things in a barbecue contest, as you know, having done hundreds of them, I'm sure, that are way outside of your control. But yet the social media aspect of it is entirely in your control. And so I love to hear that, you know, you guys are are, are helping with, getting the content and explaining the importance of it. Cause a lot of what I hear when I explain to teams, and again, I'm no expert. I just put content out there and some people like it. Some people don't, but I hear, well, what do I put out there? How do you get all this content? What do I do? And, and honestly, it's as simple as literally just firing up your phone and, and taking some pictures, doing some video. Um, and you're really good at that. You know, you've got that, you've got that, the confidence, the swagger, right. And I think some teams perhaps lack a little bit there. So to hear that you guys are trying to help them with that is is awesome because I don't sugarcoat it. The, the competition world, as far as barbecue, I think needs a lot of help in that sure. in that realm. Yeah, I mean, you, the people get frustrated. You, know, you talk to competition cooks, and and they get frustrated because the people that everybody who cooks the best brisket in the world, well, it's Aaron Franklin, of course. You know, everybody knows that. I, no, I'm not taking anything from Aaron. Aaron's been very successful in his restaurants. Aaron, Aaron, you know, I'm not taking tearing Aaron down. I promise you, the average comp guy would blow his doors off cooking a brisket and, and understands the technique, a lot of things that that happen. Now, Aaron knows his world, knows what he does, knows a restaurant brisket. Right. Again, I'm not trying to disparage what he does. 
I'm just saying that it's just, that's a marketing thing. That's Aaron's managed to market himself way better than everybody else. The, the, the top people that are considered top barbecue guys, not that they can't cook, but they can't cook competitions. They've tried and they get beat quite a bit. They're just better marketers than, than, than the average competition person. And who's getting the sponsorship? Who's getting the dollars? It's not the best cooks. It's the people that everybody thinks is the best cook. I mean, that that's, you know, like it or not, that's that's where the money flows. So being a top cook and, and going out and winning these competitions, that's that's only half the battle. Like, right, that gives you the street cred. That opens the door. And it's up to you to 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 form at the presence and, and, and to have the, the, the following and the expertise that somebody's going to want to give you money. How do you get sponsorships? Well, I mean, just like anything, man, you got to have the audience. That's what these companies want. And that's what these sponsors want. So somebody's wanting to go out and get sponsored or wanting to get stuff, you know, the, the, the way to do it is to build your following and build your brand. And that's, uh, that's exactly you know, right. That's, but, but a lot of these people are, are world champion pit masters. They've never even, you know, they've never even won a County fair, but uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Well, you're exactly right. It's like you and Tim were talking about, uh, you know, years ago that you, you really do have to, to market yourself. Um, and the sanctioning bodies, I feel like, need to understand the importance of that, you know, and understand, hey, the days of just being a sanctioning body are pretty much over. Like, you need to evolve and adapt. Well, it just depends on what you get in. I mean, I don't know that, that you know, okay, if you're going to be a sanctioning body, don't be jealous. Be a sanctioning body. Stay in your lane. Like, it, you can't have it both ways. You can't all of a sudden be like, well, well why aren't we doing that? And, and you know, we've had plenty of our ideas taken by, by various things or this or that. You know, I, I think you could, could just be a sanctioning body. And I don't know that it wouldn't hurt KCBS to just be a sanctioning body. Right. And that's fine, but you've got to have somebody marketing. And, and, and that means maybe you're giving away a little bit of your stuff or or you're trying to hold some KCBS events that, that you know, it, it, anyway, I, I agree with you. I don't know necessarily, like, I don't think KCBS is in a position to be a marketing body, but don't get in the way. I think a lot of times what happens in KCBS, it's run by board, by a board, you know, that's a nine-person board that's elected that comes from within the community. And so we're not picking without the community. I think a lot of times these people in the community have different agendas and some of them are competitors and they may not like the other competitors, you know, so they may not want to do something that's going to prop up somebody else. Well, we'll we run a marketing through you, but we don't necessarily want to prop you up. I think what they need to do is just get out of their own way. If they're not going to market, let somebody else, you know what I mean? Let other people do it. And I think they'd be okay. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a tough world, man. It's such a small world. And I think a lot of times we end up uh, kind of shooting ourselves in the foot as far as some of this marketing stuff goes, where we need to step back and take a page out of some of these uh, people that are doing Instagram and doing some stuff and, and, and help each other out that way. So one thing you mentioned, you talked about the CBA briefly and, and the CBA is relatively new to me. And as the more I've learned, the, the, you know, Frankly, I wish I lived closer to Texas because all their events right now are in Texas. Texas mm -hmm. is a lot closer to you than it is me. But I'm curious, you talked about them briefly and their model is really interesting, you know, especially from the judging standpoint, you know, going basically, you know, digital, 100% digital. Mm -hmm. Is that the, I mean, does that, is that something you see in the direction of these other bodies going eventually? I, I don't know how you can do it on scale. I guess it's always been my thing. You know, everybody's wanting KCBS to do it. Okay, well, put 10, 15 contests on a weekend across the world. And now you're right making, you know, you've got 15 ad hoc networks that need to happen. You can't use the cloud because some of these places just don't have service, man, where we have barbecue contests. 
we're out in the middle of nowhere, right? You're in the middle of the middle. Of, so you, you can't, and not to mention you're having a festival, a big place like the American Royal, you don't get cell phone service. There's you know why there's 40,000 people there. And, and so now you're having a techno technological thing where I need to come in there and bring in the infrastructure or bring in a satellite truck or bring in whatever. So you can't do a cloud-based scoring system. So it has to be an ad hoc network that's set up. And, and these reps, I, I, we're not getting young tech wizards uh, to rep. You know, we're right. generally people that have retired and this is what they're doing is supplemental income. And so now they've got to set up and support a network. Oh, not to mention 80 judges just rolled into Augusta, Georgia. Most of them are probably in their 60s and 70s. And now it's a BYOD type thing. Or I've got, I think Fred and them have the devices, but now I've got to have, you know, I've got I've got 15 contests. I've got 25 or 30 teams at each one. I've got to have 500 devices that get distributed out every weekend, mind you. And then on top of that, you know, we've got to get them in. We've got to troubleshoot. We've got to do this. I know it would be the, the dream that everybody's sitting there and, and everybody that's in, I'm in IT, man. I mean, I've been in IT for years and I, I write code, you know, I wrote yeah. code for a living. Man, it'd be so easy to write. It would be easy to write. It would be easy to execute. And, if, and, and for Fred and those guys where there's in the CBA, where there's just one contest going on and they can have somebody there that they can solve problems. It is. How do you scale? That would be my question. And I'll be interested to see how, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Bill and Fred and I wish him the best. I'll be interested to see how that scales. And I know how that fails. I know they fail back to a, a paper and, and everything else to the old way. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe you do it and you do it. If not, you fail back. But there's, there's just a lot of technical hurdles that will need to be cut overcome before that becomes a, a you know, an issue. And it's one of those things. It's like, okay, it's cool. But what are we solving by doing that? Really? I mean, we're adding a lot of expense. We're doing, a, we're, we're putting a lot of complication into something. And what, what problem are we solving with that? I, I, I just don't think we're solving one. And so at that point, it becomes kind of a waste of effort, waste of resources, waste of money. I, I just, I don't know why a, a large sanctioning body would, and I don't know if they could go to something like that, where it's online scoring like CBA does. And then, like I said, I, I'm, I, I am ready to see Fred and them scale. It will be interesting to watch, I, you know, the, the day that they have a big, you know, and I think they're getting the San, uh, San Antonio rodeo next year, maybe, which is a 300-person contest. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if they run online scoring at San Antonio, if they, if they're the san if they sanction that. Yeah, you bring up a great point. You know, technology is fantastic, and it, for the most part, has made our lives I'd say, you know, generally easier, but yeah, when it fails, it fails in a big way. And I can only imagine, you know, a failure of just, you know, scores getting messed up or having to go back and, and just all of that. And then to your point, most of the judges, most of the reps are not, they're not 30 years old. They're 60, yeah. 70. We're, yeah. We're lucky to get printouts in three hours on most weekends. Right. And that's nothing. Like I said, I know, man, I mean, I love all the reps, but they're, they're that's not what they were doing. It's not the world they come from. You know, they, they, they're retired from other walks of life and they're, they're helping barbecue. And, and man, I just don't know a lot of them that can sit there and support a network on, you know, that, that, that to get it up and running and going. So as we wind down the show, Brad, how can our, how can our listeners, how can our audience uh, connect with you on social media, with the barbecue league? What, what are your handles there? 
Yeah, just that getting based is the easiest way. Uh, you know, a lot of my restaurant stuff runs through there. You know, you can kind of find my personal page, you know, Brad Leininger. And then the Barbecue League at, at the BBQ League is, is is where we're at in the Barbecue League. And I see most of that stuff that comes through the social media, everything else. So, uh, you know, those are the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Uh, Brad at gettingbasted.com. You got any barbecue questions or whatever, man, we can, we can go through that. But, uh, uh, yeah, just pretty easy to find out there honestly as far as it goes on barbecue he is absolutely and we'll have all those handles as well as links in the show notes for our listeners so they can easily reference those and so the last question i have it really revolves around legacy it's one of my favorite questions to ask from your standpoint you know if we fast forward 100 years both you and i won't be here anymore what do you want people saying about brad as it relates to barbecue what do you want your legacy to be oh man i mean i (laughs) this comes up a lot and and especially as as, as I've had more and more success, you know, and, and I, I just, I just mentally don't work that way. Like I'm not doing this for legacy, you know, I'm doing it because I enjoy it. I'm doing it because it, you know, barbecue is what I love to do, you know, and, and now I'm able to take care of my family with barbecue and and that's a blessing, but I, man, I'm, I, the answer to the question, I I don't care. I'll I'll let everybody argue in hundred years. Like you said, I'll be dead and gone. And, 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 Man, I, I, as long as I'm having fun at barbecue, I'll let let the uh, the the people that 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 are experts in such thing determine what my legacy is and what my impact's been and everything else. Because, man, I'm just I'm not doing it for that. I love that great answer. And if you couldn't tell our listeners, you know Brad's a pretty upfront and direct person, uh, very easy to chat with, and uh, he means it. He does respond to emails. <laughs> so if you have questions by all means he's he's willing to share and and brad we appreciate your time and, and coming on the show and hope to see you soon out on the barbecue trail yeah absolutely absolutely hoping to get down your way here soon thank you so much for listening to barbecue for newbies make sure to share this episode with a buddy who's looking to get into barbecue follow us for more on facebook instagram and tiktok and last but not least Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Chat with you next time.